0: Hi, and welcome to Ask the Pastor. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Devall. Today's question comes to us from Luke, and he asks, is it impossible to follow the Bible literally? Wow, that's a, a, a great question, and thank you for it, Luke. Um, this question, I think, kind of tugged at my heart in particular this past week especially after having referenced my sermon from uh, in my sermon this past sunday uh, my divinity school um, capstone paper from 10 years ago on biblical literalism uh, in which i challenged a literal reading of the bible Um, and let me just you know uh, for maybe give you some context uh, of where i was at 10 years ago read you just a little excerpt from that paper Um, i said scripture itself repeatedly invalidates the idea of its own inerrancy while this claim need not be threatening to christians it undoubtedly will strike some readers who are still convinced that holding on to literalism is the only way to prevent being washed away in a sea of relativity and subjective truth as heretical consequently i will allow the bible to speak on its own behalf and then i go on to list just examples from the bible um many of which we examined this past winter in our um in our tough text series sermon series uh alleged discrepancies and contradictions two different creation accounts four different resurrection accounts and so on and uh course, I now look back and i it's hard for me to reread that paper and I wish I could get in a time machine and go back and punch myself in the face. But if we break down Luke's question here and uh, specifically, I think this is kind of what it boils down to. It's, it sounds to me like Luke recognizes that as Christians, we really do believe that the Bible is inerrant it's the word of god um, it's without error it's authoritative scripture it is to be obeyed in all matters of faith and practice to which it speaks and uh, that is an essential doctrine for orthodox believers we unpacked that in our christian foundations class just this past sunday and yet what i also hear in luke's question is that he really feels the weight i think of Ingersoll's allegation that if a man would follow today the teachings of the Old Testament, he'd be a criminal. If he followed strictly the teachings of the New Testament, he'd be insane. Is there truth? I think Luke knows enough, because I know Luke well enough to know that he knows the Bible well enough to know that there really are some teachings in the Old Testament that we can no longer follow, um, that we should no longer follow, and there really are some teachings in the New Testament that we should not follow. And so i'll give you just a few examples of this and if you want some real life examples of how this plays out um uh someone who proved how impossible it is to follow every part of the bible literally today you can check out aj jacobs um, has a an interesting sociological experiment that he did and then wrote a book about it called The Year of Living Biblically, where he went through and attempted for an entire year to do just that and take the the Bible literally, Um, share some pretty funny stories. Well, let's just take uh, one example from the Old Testament, the example of capital punishment. I mentioned this in in a sermon from the Tufts text series as well, but here is just a, a not even comprehensive list of all the offenders that God commands in the Old Testament for his people to put to death witches Exodus 22:17 fortune tellers Leviticus 20:27 20, false prophets homosexual practitioners adulterers fornicators non-virgin brides disobedient children priest rejectors, sabbath workers non-levite tabernacle tabernacle approachers polytheists blasphemers and non-believers Deuteronomy 13 Now if you walked into the local fortune tellers uh, shop today, I'm sure the one in St. Louis is closed with the quarantine, but if I I were to walk down to my gay neighbors that just moved into my neighborhood uh, last month, and if I walked into their house this afternoon or my neighbors across the street from them uh, who had an affair uh, and and both left their spouses um, to be with one another, or just any of the non-Christians in my neighborhood for that matter, if I rang their doorbells this afternoon, And i attempted to stone them to death i'd be in trouble right um and nor do i think god wants us to do that and so ingersoll is correct i uh would find myself a criminal um we could give dozens of other examples of commandments in the old testament that cannot be followed today without being landing yourself in jail now how about his claim that if i followed strictly the teachings of the new testament i'd be insane uh, we can consider again just a few examples from jesus himself matthew five twenty nine and 30 if your right eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away it's better that you lose one of your members than the whole body be thrown into hell if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away it's better to lose one of your members than the whole body go to hell or matthew 6 19 don't lay up treasures for yourself here on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal Matthew 19, Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, if I mar- marched down this afternoon to the bank, closed out my account, emptied my children's uh, college saving accounts, I-, I auctioned off my house, the roof over my family's head, I picked up a hacksaw and started to cut off my own hand. I hope that someone would step in and save me from myself. And uh, you would probably be convinced that, that, as Ingersoll says here, that I had gone insane, right? And so it turns out that there really is truth in Ingersoll's statement that I think the problem comes when the atheist then makes the jump to the inference that because we can't or we shouldn't follow every biblical command, therefore we shouldn't follow any biblical command, that we can't trust the Bible. Or that we should only follow the commands we agree with like love your neighbor that sounds nice i love my neighbors but love your enemy and eh, i don't know about that one and so do we get to decide which of the commands of scripture we're going to follow and which we're going to ignore are we the ones who stand in authority over the bible that's kind of the question or as i also mentioned uh sunday in the sermon do we recognize on the other hand that as god's authoritative word scripture really is the best commentary on scripture that principle of sola scriptura scripture alone do we assume that when something in the bible appears to contradict either something else in the bible or something that we know from outside the bible or appears to contradict even common sense like don't saw your hand off are we going to give the benefit of the doubt to the bible that perhaps scripture isn't flawed, but rather we need to adjust our interpretation of it. And so let's just consider our interpretation of just these few Old and New Testament passages that we've referenced here so far. If I was going to debate uh, Robert Greening or Saul, how would I defend these particular commands from the Bible? You know, he might say, uh, aha, you agree with me. It's criminal to follow the Old Testament. It's insane to follow the New Testament. The Bible, therefore, is outdated and irrelevant. How would I respond? I think the most important passage to take him to is probably Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 through 22, where Paul explains exactly what the purpose of God's law is in Scripture. Paul says, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions is the law then contrary to the promises of God certainly not for if a law had been given that could give life then righteousness would indeed be by the law but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe in other words God's primary purpose in giving us the Old Testament law was to show us our own sinfulness our inability to keep the law And thus, our need for a savior from the penalty that we rightfully deserve under the law. Or, as Paul explains it elsewhere in Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 10, he says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment, that promised life, proved to be death to me. Again, Paul's saying the law acts as a mirror that God uses to show us our sin. Paul says the law in and of itself is good. It's perfect. The law of the, the, the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Psalm 19. But in regard to those it commands, to us, uh, those of us who are supposed to keep it and, and don't and haven't, it is death, Paul says, because it convicts us of our sin and thus our rightful condemnation under the law. And so if we take this governing principle, this authoritative scripture interpreting scripture principle, this view of the law, of its purpose and its function, and if we apply it to the present debate with Ingersoll, We might acknowledge on the one hand that he's absolutely right. Even Paul himself tells us not to to bother trying to keep all the Old Testament commands, all 613. They were just given as a temporary guardian until Christ came. That's also in Galatians 3. And to a certain extent, we might even say the same holds true of Much of the New Testament commands, what is Jesus's real purpose in telling us to cut our hands off and telling us to pluck our eyes out and telling us to sell all our possessions? In the same way, I think Jesus's purpose is, number one, to convict us of our sin, to be a mirror uh, that we don't live up to God's high standards. Uh, when it regards our our sexuality and, and, and all these things. And number two, to reveal our need for a savior, someone else who is able to keep God's law in a way that I can't. Someone who proved that he loved people more than possessions in a way that I don't. Someone who proved that he loves purity more than physical pleasures in a way that I don't. There is a real sense in which even the best commandments in the, of the Bible, even the big ones, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. There's a very real sense in which even those commandments are not given primarily for us to follow, but rather to convict us of our inability, our faithlessness to follow them perfectly, and thus our need for savior for imputed righteousness for someone else's faithfulness to god's commands to be credited to me in my place and that's of course what christ did for us on the cross and so is trying to follow the bible literally at every turn criminal and insane maybe but does does that mean that the bible is therefore outdated and irrelevantly and, and irrelevant absolutely not because the ultimate purpose of those commandments in both the Old Testament and the New Testament is, is ultimately to point us to our need for Christ. So one final point in closing here, I want to address Luke's sub-question quickly. How do you not get depressed at the overwhelming number of people who support atheistic claims like this? Uh, personally, Luke, that is hard for me. I feel you on this. I, it can be so difficult to hear unbelievers denigrate the bible uh, because they don't know how to read it you know they don't understand how god is intending for a particular passage like this uh, to be used and so they mock and disregard it Um, it's most difficult of course for me to stomach the spiritual implications of their rejection knowing that if if that that person goes to their grave with that same hard-heartedness towards towards god it will mean suffering for them for eternity And also recognizing that their rejection of God means their temporal suffering in this life. No rebel against God is truly happy in this life and especially not in the life to come. But I think what keeps me from not getting depressed, Luke, um, is remembering that but for the grace of God, I'd be in the exact same boat myself today i mean it's rereading back over my master's thesis paper as hard as that is from 10 short years ago and realizing how far the lord has brought me in his mercy in his kindness uh how far he's brought me since then it's realizing that if he saved a wretched sinner like me he can do it for robert green ingersoll he can do it for the hard-hearted neighbor across the street from me. He can do it for the lost loved ones in your life as well. And, and lastly, it's realizing that God has not just left me passively to wait and find out you know, at the gates of heaven whether or not those unbelievers will or won't uh, receive Christ in, in due time. God has actually given me an active role to play. I get to bear witness to the amazing transformation that God has accomplished in my own life in my own heart, um, and, and I get to evangelize and to uh, give lost sinners the, the opportunity um, to know the same hope and joy and peace that I have come to, known, uh, to know in Jesus. And then I get to pray that God alone, um, who is able to, to grow that gospel seed that, that I've planted into a tree of faith, that God would do so and and prayer is not passive either it's active you know and so i found for me personally that the more active i stay in witnessing and preaching and praying um the harder it is for me to get stuck in that place of sadness because i recognize um god doesn't just want me to to stay there passively there's a there's there's a, a job to be done so let's get about doing it and so i will be praying for you luke today for all of you listening watching on Facebook Live, listening later on the podcast to this. I'll be praying today for your personal evangelism, for your witness, for your prayer life, for the sake of of others in your life who don't know the Lord. I will pray that with you uh, this afternoon. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Don't forget that you can ask your questions online at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And Thanks for listening.